Ken K. Hi, Ken. Hey, man. <laughs> Good morning. We're going to try to make this as awkward as possible, uh, if you're yeah. down for that. I am so down. <laughs> this podcast revolves around an awkward pole, like an awkward maypole that we get to dance around the whole entire episode. Nice. I'll try to put in as many awkward silences be- between questions. So Good. Good. They will be cut by our brilliant producer, Emily Ho. They will be cut, but we will know. But we will know that, that they were there. This will be the episode that Emily uh, cuts us all completely out of the episode. Well, she'll cut all our actual like talking and just leave the awkward silences. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just going to be one long episode of Blank Space. <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't that the best kind of podcast? That's so, that's so avant-garde. Because you're just constantly <laughs> waiting for something to happen. And you're like, God, nothing's happening. 30 minutes in. Totally. How long do you stay on the podcast before you actually realize there's nothing happening? Or it could be one of those things where you ask people to just play it while they're sleeping, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then you get like millions oh, so of good. listens and streams, you know, because people are just looping that silence. You know? What we should do, I think, and then is like go in and just like, like AMS, or what is it? ASMR, mm-hmm. like JHM jams, JHM jams. <laughs> Really quietly the whole time like while they're sleeping. Like subconscious subconscious like subversion. <laughs> yeah, just we full we full put ourselves in there, Inception style. Man, yeah, I'm excited for your new direction of your podcast series. Thanks this so much for being such an inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a really great recording. Go ahead and stop, and then we're gonna just pop. <laughs> <laughs> Movie stars, the blog writers, the viral musicians. In this day and age, we have something to learn from everyone. So this is your weekly chance to get personal with people who've been down the road before you. And soak up a whole lot of inspiration from every corner of the internet. I really love that rewrite. I'm so proud of you. Which one? All of it. I, I oh, just really, I really enjoy it. It seems a little more personal to me and I'm, I'm really, I'm just lauding you for your efforts. You know what? You're getting better. Thanks. We're learning. I, I, this is how I do things. You got to start somewhere and then you got to tweak it and tweak because it. Because we learn from this podcast. Learn. I know. And it's it's brilliant to watch Thanks. the gestation of this little baby that we born that we born together. This little baby that oh we born together. Oh my god, I hate all of this. <laughs> Hi friend. Um, let's talk about this for a second. Um, so this yeah. is something that I never thought would like actually affect me in such a way. Have you pre-prepared this No, speech? not at all. I actually have just been thinking about this a lot lately. And today I've talked about it a couple of times. Okay. Um, it, it, something that I never really thought would affect me is the death of Kobe Bryant. Um, and his uh, daughter Gigi, oof. like it's such a fucking horrific accident, but you look at people in our lives and you know, like everybody's important as far as I'm concerned. There's every, everybody has something to offer, right? But there are, there are a few people mm-hmm. in history who have given us, you know, who have like challenged the system or changed the face of things because Kobe Bryant was that, you know, and he was our generation's like mm-hmm. uh, game changer. He was someone who pushed the limits. He was someone who didn't take shit from the establishment and he like hoed his own road and became this entity that lived above. It's, just, it's, it's fucking heartbreaking. Of course, to lose children, for me, it's like the worst thing in the world is to lose a young one. And I say little ones, you know. But to also 
lose someone who I never, ever thought affected me in such a way. And then to see that that person's gone because it's been a through line of your life for the longest time, even though you never really, Mm -hmm. I wasn't an outspoken Kobe fan, right? I, I, I enjoyed the things that he did. I liked the things that he said, some of the things he did in his past and, you know, everybody has their faults, but as far as a leader goes and a father and like what he turned into and like his celebration of his family, things like that, like really, you know, they soften the heart to a lot of indiscretions or, you know, off the court problems and things like that. But I never, ever thought that I would be affected in such a way to hear that news and then fully like get like emotional, like unexpectedly emotional. Yeah. I, I really have been a a couple of minds. I mean, obviously number one, I, as as someone who has lost people suddenly, like I can't imagine what that family is going through. Like truly, can't begin to wrap my head around it and don't really want to, to be honest, because yeah. it's not fun to think about right, that. Of course. Um, but, you know, I'm a, a prevalent advocate for survivors of um, assault, and I have also not enjoyed the... Um, the, the, the deifying or the... The, you know. the forgetting, the forgetting about, right? Like the washing away of that blip in history. And of course, a few people have mentioned it for sure. Um, you know, but like I, I kind of don't agree i guess Mm -hmm. like i don't Mm -hmm. think that your tremendous you know achievements in in your professional life make the other stuff soften because the truth is often in these situations that we like we know about that one thing and there's probably more you know what i mean yeah 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 so i mean it's just something that like you know you start learning when you do this this work so but that's all to say it's just been complicated right like right right and and again I'm in the same boat. I'm not forgiving anything. No, and I didn't mean to say that. No, 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 absolutely. And I didn't take it that way. But I, I think that there, that a lot of people may be struggling with that exact thing. How do you quantify or qualify the 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 love you have for some, you know, the love and the good that someone does? But then you also are you like I'm I'm going to accept that? I know that's a character flaw. Like we go from well, I just <laughs> yeah, I just don't know. You have to like fall on one side of it or the other, right? right? Like, and, I, and that's what I think. I, could, I can say pretty honestly, right? Like I'm so sad for his family and I am, I am personally just as for me. And I, uh, am, am pretty angry to be honest with the way, uh, you know, it's being discussed. Like he didn't ever do anything really bad. Like that's really bad, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's not like, Oh, I took a pack of gum from a fucking <laughs> convenience yeah. store when I was five yeah, no, or whatever. So, true. so I just don't have it. Like, I don't know. I think that's the answer is like, I'm like, you just don't have to land one way or the other. I agree. I agree with that. At least for me. Yeah, but I'm sorry that you're feeling sad. I think that's why it affected me too, is that maybe it's my own um, mortality, like shining. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe it is my own mortality, like peeking its head. Like some people would call it a midlife crisis or, you know, whatever it is that you're dealing with that you're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm over halfway there. <laughs> yeah totally fuck me well, what don't have tell I done? people that well yeah but i mean well i mean but it's it's a reality though you know time is a time I'm is kidding. a it's finite we don't have forever i mean you gotta you know as my as my dad would say make hay while the sun shines in better news the, the i this week I, i'm like super excited for this week i have so much cool shit going on tell me about it what do you got going on tomorrow I get to go hang out and watch uh, our friend Randy Zuckerberg interview Kathy Ireland at Sirius XM, which is so exciting. Um, 
Let's get her on this fucking thing. I know. So, well, Ooh. why would you want to come talk to us after Randy Zuckerberg interviews you <laughs> for our potty mouths and our poop jokes? <laughs> there it is. We might have other questions for you about your bathroom habits. <laughs> it's true. So I'm going to do that tomorrow, which I'm really excited about because I've never really gotten to see Randy like in person in action when she's interviewing someone. So that's exciting. And then um, on Sunday, I uh, was asked to speak on a panel about storytelling and the way it lifts up marginalized voices for the um, Muslim American Leadership Association, which I'm like, so, so very honored about, I have to tell you. Yes. I know. Isn't Amazing. that crazy? Wait, how I know. You, who do you even know to get it? Like, No what? one. Some Someone told the person who's moderating the panel, someone told them about the stuff that I do at the Give Back concert and like, in particular, um, some of the stuff we do with the newer composers at, um, and the Voices of Right Survivors of Violence and giving it words and song. And so, I don't know. They just reached out and asked if I would do it. I was like, yes, please. I would love to. Thanks. And then, and then, Andrew, drum roll, please. <laughs> Did you actually want the drum roll? Yeah, totally. Sorry. Yeah. There you go. The motherfucking Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl what? Fuck the 49ers. We're Chiefs Fif- fans. You know why? Because we're Midwesterners, motherfucker. 50 years. I am so excited to don my red, my Chiefs sweatshirt here in New York City, which is pretty sporty. I don't usually get that sporty. And uh, watch the Chiefs with my uh, friends from uh, Missouri and hopefully watch them win. Although even if they don't win, they are winners in my eyes. It's so cheesy, but they really have had an amazing season and it's been so awesome to watch. They really do deserve to win. I know they're only one point favorites in this game, but I feel like they're just going to fucking blow this thing out. The whole city of Kansas City is behind them and it's going to be an epic fucking win it's gonna be so fun and it just yeah that's it go chiefs i'm so excited i'm so excited i think we have a fucking genius interview ready for today i'm super excited yes fucking kabota kk beats cellist classical creator producer jhm jams on insta and youtube this dude does it all yeah man i yet another like notch in the column for incredible classical musicians who are also killing it with digital content man right and but like the beauty of this is and you know between him and drew ford these dudes love what they do they are so fucking good at their craft but now they're branching out and they're taking hold of their own futures and presenting it to the world in a really special way so and i think if you're an artist and you're trying to build something for yourself out there this is an excellent interview to listen to because um (laughs) ken is so honest about uh what he didn't know like about instagram when he started and like trying to make everything on soundcloud and i'm not going to tell you but yeah it's nice (laughs) to know that someone who is so successful had very little idea of what the fuck he was doing when he started And it's kind of amazing. It's it's also again. I keep saying this. It's so fucking cool to watch people, um, young people, old people, whatever, figure out the technology because it's based out of necessity. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we we watch this constantly uh, about these people who have just. It's it's a perseverance. It's a relentlessness for not even perfection, but just the pursuit of knowledge. Again, you want to be a skill acquirer, but it ne- it's based yeah. out of necessity, right? Yeah. I don't know how to run this program. I get in. I get my fingers dirty. I di- I literally dive into that program, and yep. then I learn the ins and outs of it. And you inadvertently, by loving something, start learning something. Yes. Oh, and it's fucking amazing. What a great to watch. that was a great phrase, Andrew. Great job. But listen to this. If you want to ask 
or all of it. If you want to do anything, ask us a question, tell us something, give us a review or whatever. Don't forget to go over. Oh, no, no. You know what? You can do that. And you can also be a guest on here possibly because we're going to answer your question, ask your question, do all the things, get at us, head over to Twitter and follow us at TM2C Podcast or leave us a video ask question for an upcoming guest. I'm not convinced the first part of that made any sense at all, but I think I the didn't. point was driven home. <laughs> the ravings of a madman. Oh, the Andrew Call guys. story. You guys, we hope you enjoy this episode of Take Me to Coffee with Ken Kubota. <laughs> Do you come on podcasts often? No, this is my second time. What? What? Yeah. Mm, I don't understand. This is very exciting. Do you know Aisha Denise by chance? I do not. She's a classical pianist. She's who introduced us to Drew Ford, who introduced us to you. Oh. And she's like got a huge YouTube channel and a big Instagram. And she also, we were her first podcast. And I was like, how are people not talking to all these amazing creators, like fucking killing it on the internet? And I don't understand. I just don't understand. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's just like podcasts in general. I guess I haven't really experienced too much so it's all a so that basically world. means we can do whatever we want in exactly. this next hour exactly <laughs> right you know because i don't really have like any markers or standards to compare it to there's no frame perfect of yeah this so perfect. whatever you guys do will be kind of just like my idea of what a podcast is. <laughs> great so we'll set the bar for you whether that be low probably Very low. or high we'll see what happens sounds good what kind of coffee are you drinking today what kind of coffee? This is uh, called just like straight up water coffee. Um, Yay, waffle. I love waffle. water. It's clear. It's uh, mm-hmm. flavorless. <laughs> yep. It does nothing to wake you up. Um, it's great. I mean, it's, it's, co- it's, it's coffee still. It's just without the coffee beans or any of the extract of the coffee beans. Yeah. T- take me to kind of coffee is what this is called today. Yeah, it's the take me to coffee without the coffee beans. Yes. There's that awkward silence. <laughs> there it is. Love it. There it is. Love it. it. Got to get it in there. Got to get it in there. Where did you move from, Ken? Where? Because you did you come to the city to go to Juilliard? Yeah. Like, were so you, yeah. I I was born in Ohio. Then I moved to Japan for a little bit. Came back to Ohio. Then I moved to Michigan for like high school. And then from there, how was that identity wise? <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, it's like initially, like just even Ohio to Michigan, like it's a pretty big rivalry for the football teams. O H. I oh yeah the Buckeyes so like it was like that was initially awkward I mean not to say that I'm like a football fan to begin with but you know that was one of the first questions that people would ask when I said that I was from Ohio so so you're in New York have you ever uh have you ever thought about going anywhere else like in terms of living yeah moving yeah I thought it might be cool to like live in Seattle at one point in my life I don't know. I kind of thought about what L.A. might be like, but I'm pretty happy in New York currently. So good answer. I do see myself kind of in New York in the foreseeable future. That's awesome. Yeah. Tell everybody about like if someone didn't know, it hasn't watched your Instagram videos or YouTube videos. Like what's the the quick, you know, who is Ken? Like, what do you do? Who you are when you have to explain to people, (laughs) (laughs) which always is, I know, super fun when you do a lot of things. So. I'm a producer and founder for this series called JHM Jams, which is a bi-weekly cover video series. So every Tuesday and Friday, we release a video. And it's the premise is that it's a casual thing with a rotating cast of like elite musicians from Juilliard, Manhattan School of Music, Curtis, and et cetera, all these other places. And 
it's supposed to be a very casual space where we get together for two hours and we just learn a pop tune or a jazz tune by ear. Mm -hmm. We arrange by ear, we learn it, and then we just record it. So you just framed it. You're the producer and founder. Like, did you go through, I'm asking because I feel like I do this all the time. Did you go through like trying out different ways to identify yourself in terms of the series? Or did you always know, I want people to think of me as the producer and the founder? Yeah, I, I think I didn't really have that many other choices that I was picking from, you know, like, I guess, like, I, I guess I'm a musician, you know, a cellist, but I guess kind of like producing and putting this together. So I guess I didn't have too much trouble picking that title for myself, I suppose. Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> I, what, what did you go through? Uh, it's just a fucking constant struggle because <laughs> I do so many things and I do them so well and I never know because, you know, well, I'm sure you know, like the minute you say, like, for instance, you say I'm the producer of it, then... And anyone who needs a producer in their life is like, you, mm. you know what I mean? So then you're like, what do I want to do for other people? What do I not want to do? Please don't call me a producer for me. Mm. I don't want to fucking produce your yeah, shit. I guess it's a very ex exclusive, I'm a producer of JHM and not your stuff. The you end. Know? <laughs> <laughs> Super exclusive producer title that is only... For one thing and one thing only. Ken, what was your what was your what was your like impetus to get this thing going, man? I mean, what like it's interesting to me. You were just sitting around in the apartment one day. You're like, fuck, man, listen to the radio or whatever, <laughs> and you're like, shit, I'm I'm a I'm a musician. I'm hearing musicians doing stuff, and I want to I want to cover that. Like, did you just hear something? You were mm -hmm. like, oh no, that jam will jam with this, or you know what I mean? Did you kind of find some crossover there? Yeah. Like, so uh, initially, I mean, I've always liked pop music and whatnot, but I took a class at Juilliard called. Uh, music technology it was it was a class where we learned how to you know use microphones and use like logic pro and record things and mix things and essentially just learn how to produce like audio so as part of our class project and i guess assignment we had to just produce a track and it was just kind of open-ended so we could just produce any kind of track just using the things that we learned in class so I thought it might just be fun to put together just like a pop cover just because I like pop music and I was listening to a lot of it. So casually, I started doing that for all of my assignments, just put up a lot of just covers. And after a while, I had like a handful of, I guess, highly produced just pop covers that I, I was like, OK, well, these sound kind of dope. So I want people to listen to it. And I put it like on SoundCloud because I thought that was like the hip thing to do. And <laughs> So I put it up and no one listened to it. So nice work. Yeah, so that was a disaster. So I wanted to somehow, I guess, drive traffic to my SoundCloud page. So Instagram was a thing. So then essentially I started using Instagram as a platform to do these kind of like casual series with the singer that I had on my covers to do a cover together twice a week mm -hmm. to drive traffic to my SoundCloud, you know, just we were like, okay, we're going to mm. start doing these like short 15 second covers because Instagram video limit was 15 seconds back yeah. then. Yeah. So we were doing like 15 second covers every Tuesday and Friday. Right. And oh, I yeah. thought, you know, 15 seconds is super easy. It doesn't take any long. That's like maybe one chorus of a pop tune. And I would just yeah. like strum away on a cello and she'll just like sing the melody and we'll be done and upload it and be like, hey, so we have like a fully produced version on SoundCloud. Check it out, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> How'd that turn out uh, for you? Still, ya? people didn't really listen to it, so, <laughs> you know, rough life. But, so, essentially, that's how it started. And, like, after, like, two two or three of them, like, I had scheduled conflicts with, like, the singer. 
So we couldn't really get together. And, I, you know, I had announced to the world already that I was going to start the series and post every Tuesday and Friday. And if I was going to quit after one week, that would make me look super lame. For yeah. sure. So <laughs> I kind of just stubbornly <laughs> tried to keep it up. And I like walked around yes. the fourth floor of Juilliard, which is like the practice, I guess, room floor. Just kind of like seeing who's not practicing and just sitting in the room and then just kind of like <laughs> knock on their door and be like, you're like the Pied Piper. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> With your cello trouncing yeah. through the rehearsal yeah, hall right. gathering people. <laughs> Essentially. And then I would just be like, hey, so like I'm starting these series and I just like need you to like play this pop melody for like 15 seconds and like that's it. <laughs> kind of like thing. And, you know, Drew was one of the first ones. Uh, he I think he was like no- oh, cool. number three or four on JHM. So. He's kind of like the one that also came up with the brand JHM Jams. I was like, what am I going to call these series? You know, and JHM, it, like initially my SoundCloud was like called JHM Productions. JHM stood originally for Juilliard House Mafia. Right. My roommate at the time, Nathan Chan, he's a great cellist. He named our apartment Wi-Fi Juilliard House Mafia simply because we were both really big fans of the Swedish House Mafia like DJ duo. I saw them live, their last show in New York. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. So we're huge EDM fans. So like my friend Nathan, he thought it would be kind of like hilarious to name our like apartment Juilliard House Mafia <laughs> in honor of them. So when I started producing these series, I just took JHM just casually. It's a... It ended up being a really terrible brand name simply because <laughs> one of like legal issues of just like the trademark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm just learning. I think mostly because of Drew and now you and reading that right. story that like yeah. how protective they are of their brand. Yeah. It is crazy. Yeah. And also just like Juilliard House Mafia, just like that in itself, like kind of like it's very restrictive of like inviting other yeah. people. And also, nobody can remember the acronyms anyways of JHM. People like, struggle so hard to remember. Like They're like, JMH? I'm like, nope. I did the same thing this whole week. I was like, oh, Ken, from, Ken Kubota from JMH. Jan- nope, 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 Jessica, nope. Yeah, no, it's absolutely <laughs> terrible. And it was too late at the time because like it started picking up. And I'm just like, I can't really change this anymore. Yep. So that's it. But I guess when people ask now, I just like say that it stands for Japanese hungry man. You know, it's a little bit easier to remember. <laughs> and it's a little bit more that's accurate stupid. of who I am. Do you, you think know? you're going to get into like copyright issues with hungry man? Oh, that's also oh. true. Though. That's true. Uh, listen, I'm just I'm trying to I'm trying to be your legal counsel. I do appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I'll send the invoice. Like you can send the invoice later. I'll send the check. Yeah. OK. Yeah, yes. no, it's uh, it's going to be right there with the silent pauses. <laughs> question how long did it i'd love the 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 simplicity of that like text branding at the top of each of your you know your videos because mm-hmm. it's huge i love that it's huge and it's like that blocky text and like how long did it take you to like settle on that for everyone is that something you did right from the beginning oh, no, or? not at all um it went through a lot of awkward phases like it's initially yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean initially like it didn't really have any titles and then i like discovered like iMovie and then iMovie like came with these like template uh things yeah. that kind of animated like title screens. So then I was really excited. So like most of the earlier videos, like it, it kind of like most of the video was just like kind of like the title screen kind of like filling up the screen and just like saying and by the time it was kind of done, like the video was over. So that was kind of dumb. Uh- <laughs> and then I started doing like the little text. But mm. the reason I started doing the bigger text is just like primarily for the thumbnail. Sure. When you're looking at the YouTube video and these tiny thumbnails, you can't yep. really read yep. the little title screen. So that's why I started no. just like 
busting out like huge things. So when people see it, like even on a small thumbnail, you can tell exactly what the cover is going to be. So that's kind of initially like it took a while to get to that point, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. And Mm -hmm. who knows? I mean, I started doing this, I think, closer to video like 400 ish Uh a little bit before video 400 so like it took like hundreds of videos for me to just like kind of like kind of get to it you know trying to figure out what works what doesn't so what is it what is it for you to also think that you're like you're this creator you're a concept guy you're you're a phenomenal cellist but then you're also now like dabbling in graphic arts and you're dabbling in all these other things how how does it feel to be like the graphic arts the graphic arts (laughs) how does it i mean what is it what is it like for you in your brain to be a, a like a younger a younger human being and then to also have to like deal with all these other things, right? Like graphic design. Now I'm learning this thing. Do you find yourself like gestating toward another like creative outlet? Yeah. Um, I don't think I really am gravitating towards like one or the other. I think all of this, like whether if it's graphic design or like just learning how to record or buying expensive mics or just like yeah. learning about <laughs> yeah. like right? cameras and all these things are just result of me trying to create JHM. And like trying to get that to be a better series. So all the things that I'm learning along the way is kind of just sprouting from that. And I think all the interest of me learning all these other things is, I think, just also just stem from like, how can I get these series to be better and keep evolving in some kind of way? So it's crazy because like when when I started doing stuff on the internet, probably about 2013, there I still I was having to make things in Photoshop and I didn't know what I was doing. Like I have a BFA in musical theater, you know what I mean? And I it would take me right, so right. long because I had such a very specific aesthetic I liked, but to achieve it on Photoshop took me yeah, like fucking it's days. Really hard. It's so hard. And now like there's Canva, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're like, whatever, seven years later, and Canva I feel like Canva's changed my whole fucking life. Because right. now everything can look amazing. That's I can true. hack it to do what I want, Mm -hmm. but it takes me like an hour instead of a whole day. Right. Yeah. No, it's definitely there's that learning curve initially when you want to learn any new skill, you know, or just I mean it took me forever to just like learn how to use like Final Cut and just Uh it's a lot of YouTube tutorials that you're watching, you know, just me like Uh it's just like how do I do this? You know, how am I how much do you edit a JHM jams? Are they one take usually? I know you did the like one one take, but yeah, I mean they're all they're all I guess, well, no, they're not all one take. So we just do as many takes as we want or until like all the musicians in the room are like somewhat happy. You know, I mean, yeah. it's hard to get everyone Oof. to be like super happy. Right, anyway. right. I mean, we're like, artists. So of course, yeah. I know, you know, so like we do, we just do as many takes as it takes to get everyone to just be relatively happy. But also with the premise that, you know, this is supposed to be a really casual series that's supposed to break away from our perfectionist artist life. Right. Because right. the the kind of where a lot of this is sprouting from is the kind of sight reading party mentality. Yeah. So mm. kind of when people get together and just kind of like have a jam session or just have a sight reading party or some kind of thing where it's not so much the execution, you know, or the perfection that is kind of seek, but it's more, are you having fun? And like, you know, right. if you mess up, then, you know, people laugh. And then if you like nail it, then people like cheer. And it's just kind of like that kind of mentality is what we try to kind of keep in our living room here. So, you know, I think that tries to keep people relatively, I guess, less stress, I suppose, right. than playing at Carnegie. Have you seen like over time people, your colleagues, your collaborators 
for it to be easier for them to be a little less perfect? Or do you still see the same sort of like, you know, process where you're the same amount of people are coming to your living room and panicking because it's not perfect? Initially, some of the people that does it for the first time, you know, I think they're a little bit more kind of keen on having it like just right. Yeah. But I think after a while, you know, they kind of get the just of it and also just the fact that you know you don't have to nail it in one take right. kind of relieves a lot of their anxiety that's cool that helps and you know like now with the ability to edit audio i mean you know you guys know a lot about editing audio since you do podcasts but you know right. there's so much you can do and like make it seamless and nobody would know that there was a cut there you know <laughs> aka what emily our producer does every episode <laughs> <laughs> Emily's a pro at this, so she knows. But, you know, so like, you know, just even having that ability, like, for us as well, also kind of alleviates a little bit of anxiety. Like, if the take's going super great, and like, they just miss like one note, you know, I can fix that for them, you know, if it like, if, you know, they can't fall asleep at night because of that one note, you know? I love that about, I have to say, like, I, I, I guess I never thought about it in the way that you just put it, but it's, you so beautifully said it, the, from going from like an audition room, like for theater, where you just have to fucking nail mm-hmm. the uh, dance combo or whatever, like that sort of like striving for perfectionism to be able to then sort of like exercise the the inverse of that, uh, my personality through internet stuff where you're right, actually yeah. reward, rewarded for being less perfect um, and more honest and more authentic is I just love it so much. I love it. Yeah, love no, it. it's it's really great because people can relate to that a lot more. You know, right. And I think that's, right. they get to I want to play a little bit of a devil's advocate here. But do you feel like it's minimizing and or diminishing the actual art itself, the craft of like creating something perfect? Do you do you do you feel that way? I mean, no way, because what they're what they're doing is amazing. Like it's I mean, I think like, you know, in in a sense that if you want to maintain that only, you know, if you want to only leave only the perfect things in the world you know if the world were to crumble and you can only fit so many things in a capsule and just like ship it off to space and only the perfect ones can stay on this capsule you know then maybe we're you know diluting that thing for the people who has to sort through it you know but i think in the end though i think just the just the sheer pursuit of just trying to seek that perfection in and itself is kind of unrealistic you know i think it's sometimes that the very humanistic quality of a certain performance that makes it, I think, much more kind of like sympathetic, empathetic. And I think that's what's usually moving in a performance anyways, because if you are seeking perfection, then, you know, just get a robot. Right, right. In logic, I can like pitch correct everything. And that's like pop production nowadays anyways, you know, like everything is like sterile, which, you know, I think some people enjoy. But at the same time, you know, I think if you want to kind of inject it with a little bit of like the human empathy, then I think a little bit of some of that flaw, I think is fine. As long as I think, I think the main thing is as long as your performance or whatever you're trying to put out there is sincere, then I think, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna work out in the end. And of course, like all the technicalities of like this perfectionism or like the technique or the execution, I think is all to say that you're just trying not to distract it 
from what you're trying to communicate. And here's the continuation of that thought that I think is really important in this conversation. It's a good conversation to have. So I'm glad you brought it up, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> I know. I actually thought for a second we were going to start fighting with each other. And I was like, oh, good. Ken's episode is when mommy and daddy start fighting. <laughs> and the guest is like, I feel awkward. <laughs> More awkward silences coming your way. Totally. But the thing that I think is really important that's cool about the internet and why it is the perfect place for less perfect is because there isn't set a set form, right? The internet has open form. And so what can happen is that you can take those imperfections and own them and use it to create form. And you know what I mean? So that right. you're not, it's not a mistake anymore. It's actually, or whatever. It's like, like I was thinking when you were talking, like our cold opens for these podcasts literally came out of, we didn't plan that. It's Andrew and I, when we get talking, because we've known each other for like 18 years, yeah. we talk about this, just the dumbest shit. Like mm -hmm. one day he decided to tell me I looked like the dog in the apple fucking commercial that gets windblown <laughs> and you know in traditional media that would never have made an edit but for us i was like emily let's own this and mm -hmm. let's make it a cold open in this podcast every week and now we have this repeatable you know format right, that right. people get used to and enjoy hearing that revolves around maybe the most imperfect parts of our personality <laughs> you know <laughs> right i mean but it's super organic and i think that's the whole point of this conversation is that like human perfection is not interesting. There's nothing interesting about somebody being mm -hmm. perfect. Our imperfection is what makes us so interesting. And I find that to be, you know, what it is in the internet culture today is that there's so many different people looking for so many different things or they don't know what they're looking for. And they're like, oh shit, it is relatable. It's something that I can get on board with. And then you find yourself going, I, I gravitate towards these things because it is imperfect like myself. Right. Definitely. I think. Quest question for you. True. How do you, because you're a musician in those videos, like how are the way, do you feel compelled or to find ways to let your viewers get to know you better? Do you just do that through your own personal Instagram content? Like, do you feel like people get to know you just by being a musician in those videos on this topic? You know, mm -hmm. I think on Instagram, I do show a lot more of my personality and just kind of my day to day. So like mm -hmm. YouTube is kind of where like the finished product goes. Instagram is kind of like my personal brand i suppose of just me mm -hmm. get to knowing me so i'm not sure if the youtube viewers know me that well as a person mm -hmm. unless they're following me on instagram i guess that's something that i haven't really explored too much just kind of in the current format that i have for the youtube i'm just kind of putting out the finished product you don't deal with comments and stuff like that oh i respond to every comment yeah so oh, gotcha i in that sense you know i am interacting with my audience but I guess in a sense where, you know, like it's like a vlog or just me talking into a camera and being like, hey, guys, like, how are you doing? Like, you know, I want to teach you this today. Right. Like, like kind of thing. I haven't really done so much. I did try doing like a couple behind the scenes kind of footage before the video. So they got to see me interacting with, you know, the musicians and our process of arranging. And we've done some of that. And, you know, I think people enjoyed that as well. But Currently, I can't find a videographer to do that while right. I'm also arranging. So that's, you know, something that I'm actually looking for right now, trying to find someone who can come in and just film casually of our process so I can edit that together. But 
you know, it's all a process. So, so Ken, on this podcast, one of the things that we do because it's a mentorship podcast is right. uh, collect questions from our listeners and your fans because that mm-hmm. way they get to sit down to coffee with you too. Cool. We actually got a question about something you were posting on your social, uh, posting about on social media oh. uh, from one of your fans. So let's, yeah, let's listen to that question and uh, get to talking about that. This is uh, Sarah L. Um, just wondering... Um, about your New Year's resolution that you shared with us. It was kind of like a resolution, but it was more like a process of thought. Um, your time management, your time management has always seemed to me to be like serious. And I, I mean, I, I don't think I'm alone in thinking that, you know, you do these JHM jams like twice a week and you share them with us and then you go to Connecticut and then you come back to New York and then you go to like Baltimore and pretty amazing. Um, but I would love to, I would love to hear um, if you've given that any thought. Time management. Time management. Answer. You bullet journal, like what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely don't like journal anything. It's just kind of on the go. And like if I want to schedule things, I, I do all my kind of like scheduling on my calendar, just like yeah. on my calendar app. So if I want to do something or make time for it, I just store it in the calendar. So I see that that block of time is scheduled for that. And it's also to see it's easy to see when my openings are. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of how I keep track because the the thing she was mentioning about the whole time management post that I put up mm-hmm. I was watching a, a Casey Neistat video I'm okay yeah all right. me too love videos. him that's it's how great. I learned digital I learned digital filmmaking from watching his vlog every day for a whole year yeah it's yeah. amazing what he does but you know yeah. one of his uh I guess newer posts he was talking about just like this perception of time and how like for a five-year-old, you know, like one year's about like 20% of their life. Mm-hmm. So it's just like time is just like a much bigger, slower concept for like a younger Ooh. person as opposed to like someone like me. I'm currently 28. Mm-hmm. So one year for me is like about like I think 3.6% or something. Mm. So it's a significantly smaller sense of time that um, I perceive so like i i was noticing how like the years just like flying by the weeks are flying by and when i'm not conscious of it all of a sudden it was like 2020 and i'm just like oh no like what's going <laughs> on you know like you know so it was just kind of like a post to reflect on that because like as we're getting older like time will our perception of time will just keep kind of going faster and faster so like i'm i was noticing that i was spending a lot of kind of like passive time just like time that I was not really conscious of spending yeah whether if I was just kind of like rolling around and just kind of scrolling through social media endlessly and you know I was like oh man where did the three hours go kind of like situation so it was just kind of like a reflection to try to be a little bit more conscious of the time that I'm spending the limited time that we do have and you know I think it's fine if you want to spend it on Netflix as long as you're conscious that you are choosing to spend it right. that way and whatnot so that was just kind of like the premise of her question, I think. I feel like that what you're talking about with the like time being a construct is like Andrew's love language. He's like super into that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, awkward. Awkward <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I was waiting for that too. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's funny because I've always been really, really good at time management, and like, oh, and I'm yeah. always, I've I been so busy. That. Yeah, I don't know. I, I did not learn that skill. I got lucky. Mm-hmm. I just am really good at it, and I have noticed this year, in particular, this last year and a half, mm-hmm. I've gotten so much exponentially more busy that I'm starting to drop balls in scheduling, which I've never done in my whole oh. life. And I, too, use a calendar and all the things. But like, I, I was like, oh, I guess I, for the first time in my life, understand why people, there is a world in which people need uh, assistance. You yeah. know, like I'm actually, it's getting a little beyond my ability to like wrangle everything myself Dang. for the first time. I, I don't think I've hit that point yet. You know, I think it's funny because- yeah. People like on social media, I've gotten this a lot where my friends are like, hey, Ken, like you look so busy, like you don't have any time to like hang out, you know, like, mm-hmm. etc. And like the reality is I do have a lot of free time. Mm-hmm. But it's just how social media works is that like people usually like upload content or stories when they're doing something or when they're busy mm-hmm. or when they're in the midst of like some kind of thing. So then if if you only see those events where people are doing something, then the illusion is that right. that person is just like hauling ass and just like hustling yep. you know because like i if i were to make a story like of every time i was doing nothing and just rolling around then people get the impression that i'm just like a lazy bum that doesn't yeah, do it's anything. a good thing that i don't post regularly <laughs> wait i'm kind of into like what if we all do like the one week bum challenge that's a terrible i take it back i didn't say bum. <laughs> pretend like i didn't say that because that's a terrible thing but do you know what i mean like the because i i get that too people are always like jesus jess but i also like you know what i mean sit right. around uh, i want that's kind of fun i just want to like, like i think so that might be subversive. like an interesting like thing for like all social media uh. creators to only make stories when they're not doing something <laughs> yes totally i love that Here's the thing. We're fucking knocking it out of the park. We've got Awkward Silence podcast. We have our right. Do Nothing Challenge for a, a, a social media creators, which is huge. <laughs> uh, and then Emily was just uh, like messaging me, what is this spider crawl bow challenge that you did? did is that yours? Oh, yeah. Um, what is What the fuck is that? <laughs> when I'm not doing all this like social media thing, I, my, my day job is like a cello teacher. Uh-huh. So that's kind of like how I make a living. And... When I'm teaching a lot of my students and like bow hold is one of the hardest things, I think, for like a string player to learn uh-huh. initially for a beginner. It's a little awkward to hold and whatnot. So one of the exercises that we do is like while kind of maintaining like a bow hold, like and then you kind of like crawl up and down like the bow, you know, and just kind of bring the bow up. It's just kind of like to build like the finger agility, dexterity while maintaining like what itsy bitsy spider. Yeah. So it's a, it's significantly harder with like the longer bow because it's heavier especially when you're trying to bring it up so essentially i thought it might be funny just to like do that on social media and just like challenge people to see like how fast they can do it you know like if they can do it within like the 15 seconds that like a instagram story limit you know had to like go down and come all the way back up so you know it was just kind of like a fun little challenge that you know, I did and, you know, different people kind of like attempted it and it was just kind of fun to see everyone just try this like beginner like cello bow exercise thing that Suzuki kids do. Yeah. What was the most you surprising know? thing that you like saw yeah. or found from that challenge? Just the fact that people were willing to do it. <laughs> you know, like, sure. any kind yeah. of just like the fact that whatsoever. there was even... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like when you do these things, like sometimes you're just like you're just kind of shooting it out into the abyss of just like the darkness for of the internet, sure. and you don't even know if anything's gonna bounce back. So, just the fact that people started 
trying it and you know like some a lot of my friends and you know some of the some of my friends are you know big time players and they're doing this like bow exercise and i thought that was kind of cute so do you do you get like now we're on the subject of teaching and learning things from like your profession and do you find that teaching like gives you some kind of a level of creativity like i find that when i'm teaching i actually learn more than when i when i'm when i'm actually taking a class or doing something like that when i'm hearing somebody talk for some reason it doesn't make as much sense to me as me talking to someone being like oh that's a good thought and then we do that on the podcast all the time it's like we'll talk through something and i'll be like oh shit i said that out loud Oh, that makes me true. Oh, oh, there it is. Yeah. So do you find that when you're teaching kids, you you have yeah. moments of like clarity or clairvoyance almost and you're just like, shit. I think so, definitely. Because just like the the idea of just like trying to teach anybody anything means that you really have to understand like every part of that mm-hmm. like subject and your your ability to like break it down and know how these pieces fit together to create a certain outcome is I think part of the thing about being a teacher. So just to teach someone, I think you start to analyze, you know, like if I want like a kid to just like produce like one solid tone, like on an open string, like, first of all, like what creates a good tone? Why is it considered a good tone? You know, like what are the process in which like the physics of the instrument works? So you get this result. So then you start breaking it down. So then like just having this knowledge also helps you as a player when you're going through your own, I think, practice or troubleshooting when something's not working out, you know, you can also break it down of why it's not working and like how to make it work, you know, what the system or process of practice could be in order for you to improve. So I think definitely, I think being a teacher has made me a better player. And I think just understanding a lot about how that instrument just works. Fortunately, I did have like a really good, I mean, uh, all my teachers growing up, were incredible teachers and they all really understood well how things worked especially my college teacher really kind of understood a lot of like the anatomy of how things work and just like the physics of it so that has also kind of like helped inform me as like a teacher of how to break it down and how to analyze and understand how that instrument works they're two really different skill sets, right? Like, yeah. I mean, being able to explain, I guess maybe it's a little different for music because it's such a technical skill. Like you're saying like bow, mm-hmm. bow, like how you handle the bow and where the notes are. And I'm thinking about like acting as a little less technical in some ways, but, mm-hmm. but just being able to explain things or methodology, pedagogy, like all that stuff is just like an there's, it's, I think it's, a very special thing to be able to do both. Yeah, no, it's definitely hard and it's, but I think it's worthwhile. And like, I think in terms of the creativity, you, you do, because every human being that you're interacting with that you're teaching is a completely different kind of being. Yeah. Where, you know, the process that they're learning, you know, whether if they're learn, if they're kind of more tailored towards learning it by ear, by sight, by right, touch. Right, right. Yeah. And everyone has a very different kind of way they learn it. And so first you have to kind of register what kind of learner they are. And then, you know, you have to not only have one way to explain something, but like, a dozen way to explain the one right. same concept. So However their brain it, needs. You know, so mm-hmm. I think in terms of creativity, you start, I think, tapping into a lot of that to see if you can explain the same concept in like a dozen different ways. So I think that is also, I think, really interesting in terms of creativity. Also, I think just like it's good for people who want to guess, get better at anything. Like I used to do this when I was studying for like tests, like in high school. Mm -hmm. In terms of like, if I wanted to learn something like 
if I could teach like, I don't know, like this biology concept to a friend and get the friend to understand, then that means that I understand the concept as well. So then, you know, when I'm doing the test and it's a lot easier for you to remember because you can break it down. So ultimately, I think what's really neat about what you're saying, too, is that you've sort of hacked in a way the way that you look at the teaching process so that like teaching isn't your your like fucking survival job or your money gig. You found a way to really enjoy that as much as like making maybe not as much. I don't know, but like enjoy it. You know what I mean? In the same way you enjoy making the videos or doing your food Instagram because you found all this creativity. Yeah, I think so. It's definitely important to find those moments to because otherwise totally. you know, it becomes like a yeah, routine yeah. and like a once it once it becomes kind of like that labor then you're not gonna enjoy it yeah. and you're gonna start hating the job or whatever that you're doing so i think it is important that you try to find something that you find challenging and creative that you enjoy about anything that you're really doing uh listen we got one more question here and i am actually really interested in this question myself because i often think let me tell the story. So when I was younger, All right. I, I tried out for, you know, I played the cello when I was like really, really young. It was one of the first instruments that I was introduced to. And I played the cello a little bit. I, I didn't probably know that. got as far as, you know. Uh, I, nice. Well, yeah, thank you. I, and <laughs> oh, I probably God. Got far, but, I tried, but I tried a couple of different things. I was like, oh, no, the cello sounds really beautiful to me. It's a deep, husky, you know, very full sound. And, Andrew's um, cello porn on this episode. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's just between my legs. And as I like, let me <laughs> just really stroking with oh, my no. bow strokes oh, are really deep. Hashtag explicit mentorship. Oh, I don't know. God, here it is. Explicit I mentorship. Know. Just do it. Yikes, just do it. Dude. Anyways, so i tried gone through a couple of different <laughs> instruments, you know, uh, band instruments, uh, horns, you know, things like that. And I was like, oh, the trumpet, now the trombone. I want to do this. I want to do that. The clarinet, blah, blah, blah. And then I finally settled on the cello. And I think as far as I got was like twinkle, twinkle, little star on the thing. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's But I that's played the fuck out of it. But I played the yeah. fuck. I played the fuck out of that. Twinkle, twinkle. I did it. I nailed I, it. I don't doubt that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was just, I was a really intense guy. I, I just don't think the cello ended up being for me. But What the uh, fuck is this story about? It's about this. <laughs> it's, a, it's leading to our next question. I found it so difficult making the decision. And I think that this leads into our question right here. What what, what do we do? To play cello? Play the, just read the, just the question. Play it. Just. Hi, guys. Um, I have a question about... Uh, purchasing an instrument so I am looking to buy a cello and I was looking at a a local store nearby and I just wanted to know what the etiquette is like when it comes to purchasing an instrument is it okay to haggle um, when it comes to buying an instrument um, or do you just go for the fixed price thanks that's a fucking great question that is exactly what people should be using this podcast to do what a great fucking weird but awesome question let's hear it Ken (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I think in terms of like purchasing an instrument, first of all, I think it seems like that person is what uh, a same, yeah. yeah, I assume so. First time cello Concur. buyer, yeah. yeah. Initially, there's like a couple things to look for. Like one, when you before you walk in, you want to know what your budget is because like I fell into this like trap when I was first buying an instrument. You know, I set like a budget or like an approximate budget, and then like contacted the instrument buyer and be like, hey, can you send me like a handful of these instruments uh. in this price range? And what they often like to do is they send like maybe like four in that price range and they like throw in one that's like way out of the price range. <laughs> right. It's like, like real estate. Range. So then you try 
right so you know you're trying all these and you're like okay you know these are good and you try the fifth one and you're just like oh man this sounds so good like what is going on and then you look at the price tag and you're like oh no (laughs) and then you try to like go back to the other like four that's like in your price range and you're like oh no they don't sound as good and you know i ended up buying like the expensive one on purpose Um, they they, they sold you but i did it it it's it works it works so like first that's just to be kind of like wary mm-hmm. of that just kind of like because inevitably i mean there's always exceptions but generally you know like the instruments that are at a higher price point you know tends to sound pretty good compared to something that's like at a significantly lower price point so i think one to be aware of that in terms of like i think negotiating i think there are usually relatively open to some wiggle room as long as you kind of have some kind of leverage mm. you know in terms of being able to negotiate and i think use it maybe you're like a long-time customer for them maybe like you have the ability to promote something for them like for us you know we ended up paying in cash because this mm. person needed it for like an upcut mm-hmm. being like <laughs> Find them in their weak moment. Yeah, you know, so then, you know, like, so like, I think there are definitely a lot of different kind of ways to go about it. I'm not a professional negotiator, (laughs) you know, so I'm not really sure what like the proper tactics are necessarily. But I think, yeah, so I think, you know, I think those are some things to think about. But if you're like a beginner, then I think it's good if you can take someone who is like a professional or who knows a lot more about the cello. Maybe it's your teacher or like a friend that's a professional cellist to kind of have that person come along because they'll be able to assess the cello a lot better and know it's oh, value interesting. versus yeah, the price. Right. right. So what if you what if you don't have somebody to go along with you? Are you, and just to go a little deeper into this question, what are, what are like two or three things that you do when you listen to a cello for the first time? If you were to purchase one, what are two or three things that you would listen for for so that our listeners who are, don't have somebody who in their inner circle that are that is a cellist... Um, uh, aficionado mm-hmm. would be able to to discern yeah so one is you know this this one's kind of more of a personal thing where you know whether if you like the tone of the instrument a lot of people have different preferences some people like kind of like a brighter cello or like a darker cello maybe like a higher brighter like top end or like boomier bottom end so you know like it's good to first know kind of what kind of sound do you like that fits your personality because every instrument is so different so I think, you know, finding something that you feel like it suits you. And then I think another one is whether how responsive the instrument is. You know, when you're trying to do something on the cello, like, does it actually do what you were trying to make it do? <laughs> right, right. You know, so yeah. like, that kind of like response is, I think, also important. It's just those things that I'm like usually looking for in terms of like first impressions. You know, do I like the sound? Like, is it responsive? And then, you know, maybe like the third category is like a little bit kind of more advanced, but does it offer different colors Mm. of sound? You know, so like if you want it to like sound really sweet, like can it produce that sound? If you want to sound really aggressive and punchy, like can it also produce that sound. It's interesting because when we were talking to Drew, he was he we got chatting about because he's about to release a video collaboration with these guys who play electric uh, violas, and I don't know if you saw oh, that nice. video, but he was talking about like the how hard it was to go from like how he knows how to get all the colors out of his real viola because it responds all those things you're talking about, right. but then like trying to fucking uh-huh. figure out an electronic viola that doesn't really respond in the same way, like it's a different language. He was like, I don't know what to do with this (laughs) yeah no it's always it kind of throws us off because electric instruments usually doesn't really offer Mm -hmm. that kind of nuance you know it's a little bit tricky in that sense to shape and sculpt yeah a sound 
But I mean, I've seen in, in a couple of your videos that you've played the electric cello. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, definitely. So what do you what do you find what do you find to be? And I'm not saying like either or, but I'm saying is there is there something that you get from the electric cello that you don't get from? The 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 actual cello, the acoustic instrument. <laughs> less editing time. Less right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> just in the general world of like the electric instruments or synthesizers or just like the electronic music production in general, what it does is it offers you sounds that you cannot get on like a acoustic instrument. So you know, I think in that sense, that's exciting. With you're trying to look for a sound that you can't really produce on an acoustic instrument. And I that was one of the fascination that I had with like electronic dance music to begin with sure. too, is that because you have like synthesizers where you can create a sound that has not existed before, you know, and like that, like kind of infinite possibility of just you being able to create a sound yeah. like from scratch, I think is, I think really fascinating. Uh, because like, if you play a cello, like no matter kind of what you do, it's kind of still like based around the cello kind of timbre but you know when you're dealing with elect electronic instruments you can really kind of step away from that so i think in that sense it's pretty good i have a okay so before we go i have i'm gonna i'm gonna be the third question today because this is my mm -hmm. favorite like thing to learn from other people on this podcast about let's we, i think we have to spend a mm -hmm. few minutes talking about the business of being a musician and making social media content because i feel like that's a very prevalent part of all your bios is how many brand collaborations you've done and i think this is a huge question mark for a lot of younger folks that are mm -hmm. like trying to use the internet to distribute their like craft um so i maybe like talk a little bit about how brand collaborations came to be for you challenges like in like dealing with them or like trying to keep them going or you know drumming up more i just want to know a little bit about your relationship with that part of your life as a cellist uh -huh. so a lot of the brand collaborations or just like different artists picking up our stuff or us being called for different kind of gigs it's not so much that i went out to seek them um I think it just came from like when you create something or a brand or a mm -hmm. project where you start having people that listen and you get an audience, you know, these like brands and marketing companies see that you have an audience and that sometimes it's a much more engaging way for those, I guess, so-called influencers or just like social media people to promote their product rather than for them to just like run an ad and like spend that money on an ad, you know, for a creator to promote that product is much more effective simply because the audience has this sense of like trust and loyalty to that creator. So whatever that creator is kind of promoting, there's right. a little bit more sense of, I guess, like convincing value. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I'm still pretty inexperienced in terms of just like this whole brand situation. You know, I think a lot of this, I'm not, I didn't really think too much about it. I'm just kind of like handling it. Right, right, a, right. Like yeah. Reactive, reactive thing where, you know, when it comes, then I take care of it, you know, because I'm much more focused on just making sure that this series sustains and I keep producing content. So essentially, when you do something, I think consistently what you get in return is trust, you know, like mm -hmm. a reliability. So I think trying to just kind of maintain yeah. that so in yeah. the event that some collaborations of like brands like come our way you know then we can make that work i think really well so i think that's kind of you know i don't really have too many 
tricks in terms of like brand collaborations because I'm still pretty new at all of this because it's just like people kind of like DM me or like send me emails yeah. and they're like, hey, you know, like I want you to promote this product. And generally, I only promote it if I like it or if I believe that like my followers have some kind of value towards yep. that thing. So I think, you know, just making sure that enjoy, you know, yeah. whatever you are promoting resonates with, right, I think, right, your... Yeah trust and maintains you know kind of your personal brand i think is as a classical like primarily as a primary classical musician what do you do to educate yourself around like the negotiation of money and and partnerships with corporations and like do you, are you trying to teach yourself more about that how do you feel like that part of it goes for you i think that's something i something i get asked about a lot when kids take me to coffee so i'm curious to know what your experience with that is and what you do yeah because like i think just generally being like i have like a bachelor and a master of music and you don't really like right you know that that degree doesn't really <laughs> nah. get you they don't, teach they that. don't really teach too much of that you know like sure nope. i can play you a c major scale but don't know how to talk hey. with these companies so you know so in terms of that you know a lot of what has helped me is like aside from just like straight up searching on google is i i do yeah. have a lot of uh people around me mentors and friends who have had experience or like are in that Great. field or know somebody that does that you know kind of thing and that has kind of helped yep. me navigate just like not being afraid to kind of like reach out and seek advice or just finding like a mentor to kind of walk you through some of these processes. yeah in the end I I really don't know that much and you know that's kind of the beauty of kind of collaborating too like my series you know I there's a lot of things that I can't do you know, and yeah. I rely heavily on like the other people to kind of bring in their skill set. And we kind of like share what we're each good at to kind of come up with something that's cohesive. So for me, it's been a lot of just kind of like talking and asking people that I have kind of met and connected through life, you know, and literally, you know, you can take them out to coffee and be like, hey, so like I have this uh, problem and yep. like, how do you <laughs> how do you deal with this in your experience? And if they can't answer it, then they'll refer you to someone who does. So I think it's, totally. a, it's a lot about just being open to seeking help. I think a lot of people sometimes are a little embarrassed to ask for help. You know, maybe. I think too in the yeah. arts specifically. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird. It's just like a thing about ego or maybe just like to seem like you're like strong and self-sufficient. And then you can like stand yeah. and battle the world, you know, with your bare fists I'm not really sure but, you know, because I guess, you know, just to like seem like you don't know anything is also maybe, you know, hurts some people's pride, you know, but oh, makes me so sad. I love just being like, I have no fucking idea how this works. Please help me. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of people generally are willing to help if you just. Right. Up absolutely. absolutely. You know, and if they can't, then usually they'll refer you to something else to be like, you know, and I've had a lot of those experiences too. Like I would straight up ask and they'll be like, hey, you know, like would love to help. But like right now I can't or like might not have time or I'm not like not comfortable with this particular area. Yeah. So here's like a resource, like check this out. And I'm like, oh, great. Thanks. And, you know, that might answer some of my questions. So I think a lot of it is just kind of asking, just asking for help where, you know, Internet's an incredible place. Like usually you can find oh, any. Man. any Anything. anything you know like if oh, you have any questions yes. about something like 
legal thing, then, you know, if you like look it up then you can, you know, there's always somebody out there that has battled that frontier and figured something out, I think. Most definitely. Except for the question, hey, dear internet, how did people respond to your podcast full of awkward silences? Oh, man. Um, Best night of sleep I've ever had. Awkward. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so into JHM jams now, and I don't really know why. <laughs> it's just like, I thought I heard somebody whispering JHM jams in my ear, but I can't really Like every 47 really seconds, really... it keeps coming up for some reason in my brain. I just don't know how to stop that. JHM jams. Yo, Ken, man, this has been an unbelievable conversation. I hate that we have to like be done with this thing, because I know Jess has so many more questions, but I'm pretty sure that she will ask them via some kind of carrier pigeon and or text message and or she might you might find like a note inside your cello one day because she's... or just make you go out to coffee with me <laughs> hey, let me know if you're in New York City. Uh, i'm coming home today nice. ken for all those people who don't know who you are like we do now after this wonderful interview and the last hour and a half of what we've done here that didn't sound creepy Um, can you tell us can you you tell us and all of our listeners on this podcast um how to get a hold of you where to find you where to see you all the things you're doing that are amazing and uh can you give us a little about so social security number bank account routing number (laughs) i should just send you guys a dropbox link of all my like personal information just you you can just just share that on your yeah no done perfect So, yeah, uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, then it's at kkubota8. So that's K-K-U-B-O-T-A and the number eight. And that's also the same for Twitter. Uh, I don't really post that much on Twitter, but it's still there. Um, Yep. YouTube, you can just search it under J-H-M Jams. It's one word. If you can't remember what J-H-M stands for, it's Japanese Hungry. There it is. You know, (laughs) copyright. (laughs) And copyright. (laughs) And then I think... Those are, I mean, if you if you really want to find my SoundCloud, then you know. There I, it is. <laughs> yes, everybody find the obscurity of the internet. You, yeah, I think it's uh, listed under JHM Jams as well. I think it used to be JHM Productions, but I think I changed the name, so you should be able to find it on <laughs> JHM Jams too. I think there's. Like, uh, I really want to be your one follower on yes, SoundCloud. Yes. This is so exciting. <laughs> uh, also, I want to ask you, like, do you have anything coming up that you're excited about? Or do you want to tell anybody that you got going on? You got anything cool going on? Yeah, you got a, you got a band, right? Oh, yeah. So I have a band called Empire Wild. So JHM Jams is like primarily like a cover ensemble. Empire Wild is like a trio with me, my friend Mitch, who's a cellist, and Brandon, who's a multi-instrumentalist and also a vocalist. And it's a trio where cool. we're writing our own songs. Dope. So we're composing and we're writing our own songs which has been like a really cool experience for someone like me who hasn't done that before okay. and like who have been mm-hmm. like covering other people's songs to all of a sudden like try to come up with something that is your own so that band's name is empire wild and we have a uh, ep out there called paper seasons so hey. it has like five tracks on there where you know it's all our originals so we have that right now we we've done a couple performances here and there, but one of our, uh, I guess Brandon, the multi instrumentalist, is on tour right now, uh, playing in the pit of Les Mis. So he's yeah, okay, okay. Like, he's, he's, <laughs> that makes yeah, it hard, so, you know, rough life, and he's like he's out for like the next like six months or something. So you know, like we're not oh, doing too much with the band until the summer. Okay. But aside, I think aside from that, I don't think there's anything 
too new that's coming up aside from just like my usual Tuesday, Friday videos that you can find. You know, it's been going since like February. You're a beast. February 2016. And we haven't missed a, we haven't missed a post since. So fuck yes. Still I going. Mean, still going. Haven't missed. You're the on like 405, 410, <laughs> somewhere in there episodes. Yeah. Like 408, like 408 videos and haven't missed one. So I mean, just being somebody who watches these wonderful women that I work with put out content and how hard they work. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine with 400 episodes and twice a week, like that's insane. But it's a lot, you know, I think the important thing is as long as you're like, it's based around something that you enjoy. Then it's, it's then easy. Then it's not work. It anyway, yeah. Then it's, it's yeah. easy because literally like that's my time that I get to see my friends during the week. I get to hang out with them and I get to kind of jam when I'm, you know, like to take me away from my teaching yeah. job. So it's like things yep. that I look forward to and it's easy to schedule <clears throat> because that's it's what I would do in my free time anyway. Right. So, Ken, man, I can't thank you enough, dude. Thank you for drinking water on this podcast, reminding everybody out there that caffeine <laughs> caffeine does help you for energy level, but it also dehydrates you. So you're going to need your water at some point. Ken, thanks for coming on today, man. We really appreciate it. Oh my God. I need someone, Andrew, like, I feel like I learn a lot from hearing other people talk about the things that we do. And I need someone that's not me, who's better at talking than me, which is- That's why I'm here, clearly. (laughs) There's not that many people. Exactly, yeah. Um, Like, to help me understand how how to succinctly identify all these incredible human beings that we are having on this podcast, because there's this, like, uh, pattern emerging, Mm -hmm. right? We're, like, talking to these people who have been empowered to create by the internet, largely, who, like, are not being interviewed, but are so valuable, you know what I mean? And have these, like crazy like brands in addition to their craft and and there's it's it's a thing i just don't have the right words yet to like identify who we're talking to but like ken is squarely that person like that was i feel like i learned so much listening to him talk about his journey and what he did with his jhm jams jhm jams every single person out here young old whatever it is that we've interviewed is running down a path head first and then figuring out along the way, which I know is exactly what As you do. Yes, it's exactly yes. what you do. You run down right. the path and you grab totally. a bunch of shit on the way and you're like, ah, oh, build the car while I'm doing it. And you fucking throw the wheels on. You do this thing and you're like grabbing things. You're... Yeah. And then you change the wheels exactly. while you're... Exactly. You're <laughs> like, oh shit, I got a flat. I got to get a different <laughs> wheel. You know, you different type of thing. And like that analogy uh, that I just made up is pretty uh, fucking yeah. awesome, actually. So uh, we... <laughs> 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 we should a little self-serving again this podcast is completely self-serving uh, but i think that's just a fascinating thing that we're finding you know it's like these these people who are wanting to create and wanting to do all this stuff they're they're figuring the shit out along the way so it doesn't take much it takes an idea right yeah you one foot in front yeah. of the other walk down the staircase and even some if action you, what is that an mlk quote right if you can't see you take the first step even if you can't see the rest of the staircase take the first step because you know that there's going to be stairs yeah. there that's like an MLK quote, right? God, where did I come from? They I don't know. Pull that out of the fucking we'll nowhere. Look for it. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I'm fascinated by all of these creators. Yep. And so on that note, like learn as you go. Do exactly what Ken said, which is like surround yourself with people who are making shit and rely on them. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at kkubota8. That's K-K-U-B-O-T-A-8. There's J Jim Jams. It's on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, 
Follow his SoundCloud, please. And you know what? Head over to Twitter and follow us at TM2C Podcast to ask your questions for our upcoming guest. You can also let us know about someone smart and cool. Hopefully they're cool and smart, both in the same be cool. cool and smart and you know what if you follow them online send them our way you think we should talk to them get to us man tweet us dm us um instagram us all the things us us just make sure they're the kind of person who won't mind when andrew starts talking sexy about bows and cellos, cellos. it's a sexy instrument that husky sound right deep in your loins because <laughs> that's where it is it's a sexy oh, instrument that is that's down, it for this episode of take me clothes. to coffee God, thank God. Now it's your turn. <laughs> One, check out new episodes every Tuesday on your favorite podcasting apples and papples and poop. What the fuck, Emily? <laughs> God damn it, I'll keep going. Two, for special bonus content, including being able to see me. Okay, I got great. it. I can do Let's it. Let's go. I'm going go. to go. I'm gonna go away. You broke me, Emily. <laughs> For special bonus content, including being able to see me, Jess Ryan, acting out the Juilliard Pied Piper, join our coffee club over at Patreon. That's www.patreon.com slash TM2C podcast. Your contributions help us continue to make this podcast for you, with you, and completely ad-free. No one tells us what to do. Three, download these episodes and leave us a review so we can emerge from the dark corners of the podcast swamp, even though they did just publish that reviews have nothing to do with your ranking on Apple Podcasts, funny enough. However, we really enjoy seeing what you enjoy about the podcast, and we always share those reviews on our Instagram stories. So get on it. I'm Jess. And I'm Andrew. We'll see you next week. J-H-M-J. Two walk like two out the door, then you have them.